Hey guys, welcome to The Content Barn. My name is Gary. I'm the founder and creative director here at Capital Content. Uh, and I am joined by Beatrice, our digital content lead. Beatrice, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm wonderful. Are you excited to be... This is your second episode now, The Content Barn, is that right? Yeah, it's my second episode. I am excited. I was happy to be asked back. <laughs> yeah, so we're actually doing this IRL. Like We're actually sitting in front of each other and not over Zoom. We're kind of in that post-COVID era now where we're actually allowed to be in the same room. But the, the, the Content Barn is, uh, you know, it's a, a weekly, monthly, whatever we can get around to the show uh, about all things marketing, right? And... This week's topic, I think, is going to be about me being 40 and you being 22. 22? Yeah, 22. Okay, cool. Uh, and really, we're two different generations, right? It sounds like I'm well old as I say this out loud, but really, I am what would be called as a zenial, and you would be classed... Are you, are you still in the millennial bracket? Or? I think so, because it's it's below me, but then it's also up to something like 32. I, the bracket is way bigger than yeah, I thought. a bit vague as well, right? Yeah, and they, obviously they've got a term now for people even younger than me. Yeah. So I don't know where the, where the cutoff is, actually. Okay, so the, uh, from a... For, for the listener's perspective, yeah. uh, the, there's, there's like uh, Gen Z, right, which were born before the internet and don't know how to use an iPhone. Then there's the Xennials, which is what I am. I was born before the internet, but I know how to use an iPhone. Uh, and then there is the Millennials, which were born whilst the internet exists and they know how to use an iPhone. That's like the basic description of the, that, that generational gap, right? But I think that the episode for today is I, I want to talk about the different types of marketing and how brands or how businesses should or could be changing the way they approach these demographics. Obviously, we're generalizing, right? We see stuff, we spoke about this earlier, we see stuff on TikTok, the TikTok, as I like to call it, uh, uh, about, you know, oh, only people born before 2000s will know this sound or whatever, right? Like, you've seen a few videos like that. Yeah, I've seen a lo like loads like that, but it does make me feel old when I shouldn't. And I've also seen videos of people my age and being like, shout out to anyone above the age of 20 on this platform, because you do get people like, oh, if you use this emoji, you're old. Yeah, I've, I've been told that. Yeah. I've been yeah. told that the, too. The, la I'm, the I'm laughing emoji, old. I think it is. Yeah, yeah or the, the, or the, thumb, the thumbs up emoji. As as you probably realise now, I write the words thumbs up emoji because I'm trying to be cool. Yeah, that's Gary's favourite emoji in case <laughs> yeah. anyone didn't know. <laughs> and it's also the one that the diagonal, you know, scrunching eyes emoji. I'm trying to transition away from laughing emoji to the scrunching eyes emoji. Anyway, I sound 50 as I'm explaining these emoji sounds. But really, yeah, let, let's talk about the different types of marketing uh, for these demographics, right? So let's talk about text-based marketing. And what I mean by that is blogs, uh, email campaigns, text messages, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. I, I think we, as two representing two different, repping two different generations, w there's different types or different ways we need to go about it, right? Yeah. I think from a, a Xenial perspective, I mean, I don't like email campaigns because I sell against it, right? But I think there are certain ways you can send out emails. I think you as a millennial would probably prefer groups or WhatsApp texts, WhatsApps, however you want to pronounce it. Like how, how do you like to be communicated to uh, from a text-based perspective? Yeah, I think, I think the difference would be the likelihood of me actually seeing and engaging with it because the problem with emails is you get so many email spam that it's unlikely that I'm even opening it if 
I don't recognize like if it's not from a personal relationship that right. that is someone I'm texting or someone that said, hey, I've sent you an email. Yeah, you're not going to have that emotive connection either, right? Because it's in amongst 3,000 other emails. Imagine that, Imagine each one of those is a different person. You can't connect with that one email and one person within amongst 3,000 other people, right? Exactly. And I know there's strategies to make email stand out, like the way that you put sort of the titles, the way that you send them, if you use emojis or not, to make them stand out in those 3,000 emails. But even so, it's unlikely that I'm going to click on it unless it's something that I've just been through and they've said, oh, we've sent you an email. That's genuinely pretty much the only reason that I go into my emails is if I'm expecting something or yeah. waiting on something. Yeah. What about emojis? Do you want to see emojis in emails? I do. And I think even though we were just discussing this, I do think it is quite telling of a part of the type of company that it's coming from because the problem is is that something that's quite official tends to not have emojis and things that are sort of more I don't know I'm going to say younger but I don't necessarily mean younger it's more yeah. like friendly creative yeah so it because the thing is is there's context to emojis that's sort of the point of them is they're getting across emotions emojis yeah and when something is a bit serious or you're communicating with someone and you're not trying to be serious, I do think it's useful and it's helpful to get that sort of context without yeah. having to put a straight up image, JPEG file <laughs> yeah, attached. Yeah. yeah, I think it's funny because when we talk about emails, we're talking about email campaigns, so a blanket email to whoever, right? Yeah. Or a group of people. It, I feel that putting an emoji in a email from person to person is a bit weird. I feel like I'm being too friendly. You know, I feel like I'm calling a mate and it's the first time I've ever met them. Uh, if I was to put a smiley face, I'll put the classic colon bracket uh, to signal a face, uh, a smiley face. Ha ha ha, I'm joking in my sentence. Yeah. If I put an actual emoji in an email, it feels out of place. It feels like I'm trying to be young. You know what I mean? I do get that. I like, I can kind of see, I, I can see where you're coming from because sometimes when I receive emails from people that I don't really know and it is like a client-based sort of interaction and it's the first email I am sort of like why are you oh, sending me well, emojis yeah, were you browning down over email already yeah I do think it's odd but then at the same time there's no bad intention I don't take anything bad I think it's strange but I wouldn't take anything negative from it whereas if maybe they didn't have that emoji maybe there's the potential for me to read a short blunt email yeah. as negative yeah. even if, if it just said because the tone of voice doesn't come through exactly like thanks thanks that's good yeah and then Thumb, thumbs up emoji <laughs> yeah even though I might be like oh they're using emojis yeah. at least at least there's no like oh um, ambig ambigu ambig yeah, yeah, ambiguity ambiguity yeah ambiguity ambiguity there we go there we go uh, so you're right I think the text based marketing emails all that boring stuff uh, you know it might work for the zennials and the Gen Zs because we're used to getting loads of emails and you know maybe we've got a bit more time in our hands to unsubscribe to the rubbish emails that we get. I'm currently going through that phase. Uh, it's like how many times, it's funny, I'll, the listeners, let me know in the comments below, uh, how many times do you receive an email until you get to the point where you've unsubscribed? You know, do you, you know you, you, when the email comes through, normally you just delete it because it's spam, but you can obviously scroll right to the bottom and click unsubscribe. How many times? Uh, it probably for me, it's about 10 times. I will receive that email 10 times and then I'll click unsubscribe. I honestly think lay are you underestimate over underestimate how lazy people are. I've received the same email and be like, God, I've got to unsubscribe to this. And it's, I still have it. It's been years. Yeah, like, 2007. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually bad at yeah. this point. 
And I don't want to call any brands out, but like for real, some you need to, ch- is it working? Yeah. Is it working? Adidas, for real? stop sending me emails. No, I'm not being funny, right? Gymshark, the gyms are closed. Yeah. People are buying your product. We know it is a popular brand. Your products are great. Please stop sending emails. Yeah, it's okay. Though. I'm not going to forget about you. Yeah, it's okay. Don't yeah. worry. We're good yeah. every day. And like, I mean, they're a small business, right? They haven't got much cash. So they need, 100%. Yeah, they need to be sending emails to get the brand alive. So let's move on to social media. Dun, dun, dun. So there are different flavors of social media. We all know this. Facebook, WhatsApp, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, the TikTok. And I think different generations use different platforms, right? I think you look at Facebook for the Gen Zers, Zennials. Then you look at Instagram for the Zennials millennials and then i think you look at tiktok for the millennials right again i'm totally generalizing and i think the the type of content that you see or the type of content that you push out to people uh will be different depending on the audience i think people forget that they need to create content for their audience and not for themselves so where would you like to see content i'm talking video specifically really here but where do you engage with content as a a rep for the the 18 to 30s yeah i mean i don't really want to be speaking for everyone but um interact with it do you even interact because i'm on tiktok and i uh, i don't think i've ever liked a video oh see i do because that's how you save technically Ah, well i don't really know if that is how i press and hold to, to add the favorites Oh, add uh, to see, add to, I don't do that. Oh, right. I think maybe that's what you're supposed to do. But I always, because on your own feed, yeah. you have your posts. Your FYP. <laughs> For you, babe, kill me now. <laughs> um, the heart, there's like yours, then your likes. Yeah. And then I, I don't really know uh, what the other one is. But for me, that's the easiest place to navigate to. So I, my way of saving is to like. I like oh, that's But comment, that's comment. Oh, you've really got it. Takes me. It's got to be a lot to comment, right? Yeah, it's quite a lot to comment. Whereas Instagram, I'm more likely to comment, and Facebook, that is even more so. Yeah. But it wouldn't be um, branded stuff. I'm more likely to like like a brand or a product on Instagram than on Facebook because on Facebook, it's like I'm liking and interacting a lot more, but with my family and with friends. Oh yeah. Whereas you're liking as a group almost. Yeah. Yeah, I'm liking. Yeah, like whilst personal being watched. stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm still liking personal stuff on Instagram, yeah. but I'm liking, I'm more likely to like external stuff and my go on explore and explore other content yeah. on Instagram for sure. Than for, like Facebook is genuinely like my family yeah, and yeah. my friends. Yeah, yeah. You to be careful what you say kind of thing, right? Yeah, I'm just it's just... It, that's what I've always felt. It's always yeah. been education or family is what like Facebook's always been, like Facebook pages, Facebook groups, what you were saying about yeah. like group engagement that kind of stuff yeah is facebook just because it's do you think you're a bit looser with the odd like on facey than you are with insta and uh tiktok i feel i'm quite liberal with giving out likes on facebook but for instagram and definitely tiktok i hardly like anything i'll look at it and go oh yeah i like that but i don't actually click the like button that's wild i'd say it's the opposite Right, you reckon me, you're more liberal yeah. with the TikTok? The TikTok. <laughs> well, yeah, because it saves, and I, I, right. if I'm sending, if well, basically w- with my friends and family mainly, um, I will show them TikToks. Like we save ones yeah. down to show each other, and so I don't want to clog it up 
clog my likes up uh, with ones that I don't want to show them. Sure. So I will only like the ones that I think are really, really funny yeah. that I want to save. Whereas Instagram, I, I don't, it probably does save your likes, but I'm not really going into that. Yeah, you have to, in all fairness, for the, you have to really dig down to try and find the images that you've liked. I am a reluctant liker because I think, uh, because of my Xennial slash Gen Z generation, I'm kind of reluctant to tell them what I like, tell the platforms what I like, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, I'm like, oh no, I don't want, I don't want Facebook oh, knowing that I like cars and then them sending me car adverts. I don't like cars, I'm not into automotive. But as an example, I could like something uh, and then they serve an advert because they see my interests. But that might be partly because I'm a marketer as well. Uh, but I, I'm a reluctant liker. I don't like very much. But that may be also, that's clearly how influence, how influences, mm -hmm. how you use your social media platforms. Whereas I think not necessarily for everyone of my generation, but I assume that I'm being tracked and watched anyway. So it isn't really something I'm, that it yeah. doesn't really affect my decision making at this point. I'm just like, well, I'm just going to throw them off the track. I'm liking everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not liking everything, but like, I don't really, I don't really care if, if yeah. they want to send me an advert for new pair of shoes because I've liked Adidas. Yeah. Fine. Actually, but I, pre it, actually I prefer that. Yeah. I'd rather it was that than a car that I'm not looking at. Yeah. Like if they're going to give I me I want an my advert. adverts to be fine-chained. This is what we sell against. We sell against outdoor radio and TV, right? That's all what we call legacy marketing. It's because it's not tracked, right? And it's also, I mean, maybe a little bit of Sky or whatever, but it's like, People are serving an advert to me and they have no idea whether I'm actually watching it. And I think the another thing that we said against, and we spoke about this earlier, is print. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think, well, from my perspective, print was always really big, right? And I mean like mm -hmm. flyers through the letterbox kind of print. Uh, you know, someone will go out and create 10,000 flyers and they'll chuck it through a letterbox in their area, whatever it might be. And I think that was big in the 90s. Yeah, I've done that. I've leafleted yeah. for companies, like as one-off jobs and stuff before yeah. I fully certain. And is it effective? You know, I think, well, I think from a reporting perspective, it, it has zero efficiency because you can't report on it, you know, unless you put a discount code on the leaflet and then that said person happens to have mentioned that discount code, they might be able to report the fact that that flyer worked. But I, I think from a millennial perspective, correct me if I'm wrong, I think, the millennials generalizing they want to have a sustainable business they want to have a moral business that they invest their cash in so if the first interaction you have with that brand is a bit of paper coming through the letterbox you're instantly going to be turned off right yeah i just think that like also the likelihood okay maybe like post and pre-pandemic a lot of people aren't in their houses and so when they come back and they see those things, they again, it's like a throwaway. Yeah. What is this? Can I like throw this in the bin? Yeah. Why are you sending me an email? Like everyone's, all the important documentation that used to come through your door, like your banking. I mean, I know some people still like getting their pay slips as hard copy, but everything's moved digitally anyway. So I think going around putting things through people's door is just another thing for them to throw in the bin. Yeah. I can't imagine it's like, that can it, it be recycled? You know, that's the first thought. That which bin do I put this in? Yeah, or if like, I feel like locally, potentially, it could be helpful because if it says like on the front where you like the exact place that you live. But again, this is kind of that, what we're yeah. talking about, that tailored content. If you're putting something through my door and it isn't, it isn't, there's a 
there's a house party. I don't know why I'm saying house party. <laughs> oh, oh house party. There's, a, there's a gathering. <laughs> I mean, like... It's because um, we can't have house... We haven't had a house yeah, party for 12 months, right? I don't know why, why would you put leaflet through someone's door for a house party? Anyway? I don't know why I meant that. Because <laughs> I've got no mates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, if there's a street... I meant like a street thing. Oh, you know, yeah. Like if you're... Like we have coronation one, or whatever, yeah. We have one called Feast, like a local, almost like stalls, like food stalls and things like that. Yeah. Unless it's like, hey, there's one this Friday and it's a leaflet through my door saying it's like down the road. Yeah. That I'm more likely to be like, oh, cool, that's interesting. But if it's like for a random brand or a product, yeah, clean your windows, whatever. I honestly could not care less. That's yeah. going straight in the bin. If if your first thought after receiving that advertising is what bin should I put this in, you're doing something wrong, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we're getting towards the end of the episode. We're, we'll bring it back home. We'll talk about video content, right? Yeah. Uh, as a young person, as someone half my age, uh, video content is probably quite key, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I think we've discussed this before, but... like You'd hope, working office. for a video content agency. <laughs> no, I mean, um, about how video content there were genuinely there's genuinely times of the day where I will want to read like be like oh like, yeah. let's read this like let's go down and read this book I've got a great book that I want to read and I will genuinely be like I don't think I have the energy to sit yeah. here and look at words and I will watch something that I've seen 800 times as opposed to read this book that I really want to read yeah just because that's how big video content is and that's how short our attention spans now are yeah and you're right about the short attention spans you know we always bang on about the the one pound 99 strategy you know, make sure you have your your videos 29 or 59 seconds because we're all tricked by that nine kind of thing. But I think another great tip, specifically around reading, you're totally right about reading. People, There are times where people want to read and there are times that people want to watch a video. And I think what you do is you... You know, if you want to get away from the legacy market and around blogs, you know, I've said this probably three times today, but blogs are not read by people. They're read by bots for SEO, right? And I think if you were to create a blog, no one's going to read it. But if you then add a video to that blog as well of you maybe reading that blog out loud, people are going to actually watch that video because they're lazy. You know, they can't be asked to watch five, you know, read 500 words. They'd much rather watch a two minute video, you know? Exactly. And it's all about like even tags for videos. It's about keywords and SEO tracking from those words. Yeah, man. So it is massive getting- tip right there. Write 500 words as a description of your video in that video because that will, you know, video is great for SEO as long as you put the words because the the search engines, although they're getting better, they might see in a video the difference between a coffee table and a four-legged animal. They might know that from a, you know, an AI perspective, uh, but you still can't beat words, right? Yeah, exactly. Descriptions. And if you're using tags from videos that are even similar, then you'll get on suggested videos. It is about, it's not like no words, but keywords and title, titling your videos because the videos are what people are going to want to watch. But for SEO purposes, like we were saying, keywords within the title that grabs people attention to watch that video even more than they're more, because they're more likely to click on it anyway. But um, yeah, just get those keywords in there. From a millennial perspective, you know, we'll, we'll wrap up now, but what type of content should brands be making or businesses should be making to capture your attention? Do they, you know, is it story-based? We bang on about story-based, but is it story-based content? Is it short, funny content? Is there humor involved? It, do, they, do they need to jump on trends? Like, let's take TikTok, for example. You know, how can a business create content for TikTok drop it you in there like that. I didn't tell you about this question before, right? No, but how true. how should a business, which is not a person, you know, not Charlie D'Amelio, whatever her name is, you know, how does a business, not an influencer, create 
video content for a platform like TikTok? Well, I think kind of what we do say about humanizing your brand. If you're a big brand, I guess the best way to be using TikTok and use TikTok, if that's what you're doing, is to the people that are the face of the brand or behind the brand that we know, show the office, the office, the office environment, who those people are, who works there, whose gym that's packaging up your ASOS parcel. Who's who, got the messiest desk? Who's got, yeah, make it fun. I think funny is always going to be very good in terms of people wanting to watch. Like if it's funny, you can get, it's any age, it's interacts with everyone. Everyone's going to want to see something that's funny. But if you are a serious brand and you don't, for some reason, want to do funny, then it would probably just be like interesting. So yeah. again, what we were saying with like storytelling, you want we want to know like the history or how you started the business or something that we can engage with that isn't directly saying buy this or we're this, this is what we sell. Yeah. Just something that's sort of indirect. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head where you talk about humanizing the brand. Yeah, you know, it's sure. about seeing behind the logo, people buy from people, all of those lovely cliched phrases. You need to humanize a brand. Great example, Newton Huxley, new client of ours. He did a video in a house of him doing a, mimic, a mime to risky business. And, and it doesn't sell the house. It doesn't sell Newton Huxley. It's an indirect raised brand awareness. There's an element of humor in there, but it humanizes the brand. It shows that they're actual people. They're not just these guys driving around in BMWs earning thousands of pounds every day. They're actually real people and they, they don't take themselves too seriously. I think it's for sure about behind the scenes. And I think you can very much see behind the scenes and this humanization happening anyway. Because if you see like Netflix, Marvel films especially, but a lot of successful Netflix series are coming out with you know, after or the creation of, and then just the title. So Schitt's Creek is obviously a huge yeah. thing on um, Netflix and it got even bigger over the pandemic. And they have an entire, a whole different, like I'm going to say film, maybe docu-series, documentary, right. which is the creation of how it became successful, the idea behind it, yeah, man. the type of, they own, they were only The Mandalorian has that as well. Yeah, the Disney, yeah. I'm pretty sure Marvel's come, come up with yeah. one and there's uh, the boys. There's a, that's oh, yeah. another one on Amazon prime, but they've got, I saw something the other day about like behind the scenes, yeah, I don't know behind the scenes, but yeah. And, People love that. That's why people like blooper reels. I appreciate that that's also got the humor element like you were saying about mm -hmm. this um, Newton Huxley. But I think anything where you get a peek behind the door of a big production, a big company, a yeah. product, a successful product, people want to see how you got there because they don't ever really get to see that part. They just see the final polished, perfect piece, which is great. But we want to know how you got there. Absolutely. Beatrice, it's been amazing. Thank you. Listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. This has been The Content Barn. Uh, if you've got any questions or if there's any topics that you wanna, want us to cover, let us know in the comments. Drop us an email. Hello at capitalcontent.co. Thanks very much for listening and we'll catch you later. Peace. Peace.